Welcome to the Voice Over Work podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Newton Media Group, a family of creative services. Today is Sunday, May 23rd, 2021. On the podcast today, we'll take a little deeper look into a book introduced in a previous podcast with a chapter-by-chapter look at CBT Workbook for Teens, Essential Coping Skills and Self-Help Activities to Overcome Anxiety and Stress, Conquer Negative Thinking, and Successfully Manage Social Anxiety and Shyness, written by David Lawson, PhD, narrated by Russell Newton. Part 1. Understand. Chapter 1. Why Cognitive Behavioral Therapy? It can solve a specific problem. CBT is a general term for a classification of a number of different therapeutic techniques, all of which are guided by the same underlying principle, and that is, when we change our thoughts, we change our lives. This makes CBT an incredibly versatile approach and enables it to address a wide range of issues just by identifying the maladaptive thought or behavior the client would like to correct. For example, Someone suffering from anorexia will need to change the way he or she feels about himself or herself and his or her body. Whereas a patient struggling with social anxiety must resolve his or her feelings of insecurity and social isolation and target the thoughts that trigger them. These two clients have different presenting problems, but CBT can benefit them both because it can be tailored to fit any problem. So CBT techniques can help just about everyone. It is goal-oriented. It's been said many times that CBT is goal-oriented therapy. This means that there is a clear and definitive objective that the client and therapist must define at the start of their relationship. During every session, they'll realize this goal step-by-step, and both parties understand what it is that they ultimately want to achieve. This is an advantage because it clarifies the purpose of the therapy and makes sure that both the therapist and the individual agree about what they're looking to achieve. Sometimes with other kinds of therapy, like psychotherapy or behavioral therapy, this is not the case. In CBT, what the client wants to achieve is often what the therapist will do for them. Chapter 2. How can CBT help your son or daughter? Cognitive behavioral therapy is a method whose goal is to reduce unpleasant experiences and unwanted behavior by modifying thinking. Initially, this method was developed to treat depression, then begun to be used to treat anxiety disorders, panic attacks, and OCD in adults. In recent years, the method has been successfully used to help children and adolescents suffering from these diseases or having life difficulties. The basis of CBT is the following principle. The emotions, behavior, and bodily sensations of a person do not arise on their own and are not a direct consequence of the situations that he encounters. Everything is based on certain beliefs, interpretations, rules, and assessments, which a person is guided by in certain conditions. What childhood problems does CBT work for? Be sure to contact a CBT specialist if you notice or a child complains of the following problems. Decreased mood, depression, 
tearfulness, longing, pessimism, frequent causeless anxiety, excitement, nervousness, which negatively affects the success of the child, a sharp decline in self-esteem, worsening self-esteem, self-doubt, fatigue, a decrease in energy that seem more pronounced to you than the current situation in life requires. Panic conditions are often causeless or inappropriate for the situation. Specific fears or phobias that do not pass with time and interfere with self-realization. Chapter 3. What is psychoeducation? Psychoeducation interventions are used in the treatment of anxiety disorders in children and adolescents. Psychoeducation focuses on teaching people about the nature and treatment of mental health problems. A significant goal for psychotherapy is to educate the client about their disorder, how it affects their life, and how they can manage it. Psychoeducation teaches things like how a panic attack develops and what happens to your body during one why someone gets depressed, and what effects impact your mood. It teaches the client about different techniques that can be used to reduce symptoms or manage them. It also introduces the client to other mental health problems that they may have or develop in the future. Psychoeducation is a vital component of most therapy forms for anxiety and depressive disorders, including cognitive behavior therapy, dialectical behavior therapy, interpersonal psychotherapy, family therapy, and psychoanalysis. Psychoeducation can be delivered individually with a therapist or group education setting, such as a class for teens living with depression. The format should be appropriate for the age and needs of the child or adolescent and his or her family members. Psychoeducation is also one of the key components of the STEPS and STEPS Adolescent Programs. STEPS is designed to help patients age 13 and older integrate their treatment and improve adherence to medication, psychotherapy, and follow-up care. The goal is to improve long-term clinical outcomes. The National Institute of Mental Health, NIM, has developed a program called Chapter 4, Amygdala Hijacking and Mindfulness. In the brain's limbic system, the amygdala is a primary center of emotion and plays a critical role in processing memory and perception. It's responsible for triggering our fight-or-flight response. However, it can overreact by hijacking our brains to react with fear to stimuli which no longer pose a threat. When we do not manage emotions effectively, chronic stress results and can lead to anxiety disorders like PTSD, panic attacks, and phobias. The amygdala hijacking occurs when our emotions take us over without us thinking them through. We may be triggered by something or react as a result of past negative experiences stored in our memory. When this happens, our amygdala hijacks our brains and takes control of the emotional information we receive. Our brain's rational part is less active, while our brain's emotional aspect, the limbic system with the amygdala, is highly active. This process occurs quickly and without conscious awareness. From an evolutionary standpoint, this makes sense, 
since it allows us to react quickly to dangerous or threatening environments. Imagine a caveman hearing a rustling sound in the bushes as he's walking home from hunting one day. The amygdala will immediately trigger a flight-or-fight response, preparing him for battle. As soon as he realizes it's just an animal, his amygdala will give the all-clear and a rush of neurochemicals, epinephrine and norepinephrine, subside. Amygdala activation works like a reflex in that we don't have to think about it. Our brain is hardwired to make us highly sensitive to potential threats to keep us safe from harm. But in today's modern world, where we deal with many different types... Chapter 5. How Cortisol Impacts Physiology and Stress Cortisol's stress-related actions are mediated through the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal access, HPA. Cortisol is released by the adrenal gland in response to a stimulus as part of a coordinated endocrine response that allows for an appropriate immune response. The consequence of inappropriately elevated cortisol levels is well known and includes immune suppression, insulin resistance, and bone loss. Although it's clear that cortisol plays a vital role in regulating metabolism during times of stress, less well-appreciated is how it may impact brain function. However, several studies have begun to elucidate this relationship. Cortisol's effects on the brain are mediated by its ability to cross the blood-brain barrier. Subsequently, they bind to glutocorticoid receptors, GRs, in the hippocampus and prefrontal cortex and other areas involved in regulating stress responses. These effects on the brain may occur independent of its metabolic actions and explains how it influences the cognitive symptoms seen in anxiety disorders. Given that cortisol can disrupt regular HPA activity, essential questions remain regarding how it can alter cognition. Stress-induced dysregulation of HPA activity likely plays a critical role. Findings demonstrate that sustained stress disrupts HPA activity, resulting in hypercortisolemia. Indeed, excess cortisol exposure results in a loss of daily rhythmicity, i.e. flattening of the circadian cortisol profile, and prolonged glucocorticoid exposure. Part 2. Identity. Chapter 6. Beliefs and Mental Models. A limiting belief may be a fallacy that a person holds after making a misleading conclusion about life. As an example, if you try to line up a business, then you come up short. You might think to yourself that you simply are dumb and fail ever to try again. Most people with high potential fail to realize success due to their limiting beliefs. Then, they quickly slip into depression. To accumulate a positive mindset, you've got to beat your limiting beliefs. The following are a number of the nasty limiting beliefs that incite various psychological problems, including anxiety, stress, and depression. I can't become rich. If you think that you can't become rich regardless of what you're doing, then you'll be hell-bent on getting far away from money-making opportunities. Most people who cannot make money start saying that cash isn't everything. Although money doesn't buy happiness, it's not like being broke brings a world of joy either. 
Money cannot ensure your happiness, but it sure can cause you to be comfortable, and sometimes being comfortable is enough. I'll never find a partner. Not everyone wants to get married. However, studies show married people are far happier than single souls. If you're okay with being single, by all means do it. But if you wish to marry but haven't, simply because you think that nobody wants you, understand that you simply have a severe limiting belief. This limiting belief holds you back from approaching members of the other sex, and at the end of the day, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. If, on the other hand, you thought well of yourself, you'd have... Chapter 7. Exercises to Identify Limiting Beliefs Tips on Recording Your Thoughts When working toward overcoming your limiting beliefs, it can be helpful to identify and record the negative thoughts that come to mind. Think about what you've come to believe about life and yourself, and then write down all your ideas that pertain to those areas. Start with the list of the biggies you want to work on first. For example, the belief that you can never accomplish anything meaningful or worthwhile in life. Then, create a separate list of other ideas, such as, the world is a dangerous place. Next, produce a third list of more trivial limiting beliefs. For example, boys don't like girls with short skirts. Your thoughts may be just a series of images, feelings, sensations in your body, and sounds. As you do this type of recording over time, notice any patterns in your thinking. Are there certain kinds of thoughts that come up again and again? Also, look for times when you say that something is impossible, even though you have no evidence or proof that it's so. As you identify and write down your thoughts, be sure to include the following. Flashbacks. Memories of times you said or thought something similar to the idea that's now troubling you. Feelings. Anxiety. Guilt. Sadness. Body sensations. Shaking hands or tight stomach. Discomfort in your chest. The more you practice identifying these things as they occur for you, in both problematic and mundane situations, the better you'll be able to recognize when specific thoughts are causing problems for you. In time, this information will become an essential resource as you learn to assist yourself in developing healthier beliefs. Now, Chapter 8. Automatic and Intrusive Thoughts What are automatic thoughts? Automatic thoughts are a central aspect of the CBT theory. Automatic thoughts are those that come into our minds quickly, without effort. They're short and related to the specific situation at hand. They occur during or right after the case as an instinctive response. They don't include reflection or careful logic, but usually seem quite reasonable. Some are perfectly logical. Others are known as dysfunctional automatic thoughts. Recognizing dysfunctional automatic thoughts is an important skill to develop in the CBT process. You can begin by noticing when a unique idea seems to trigger a negative emotion. Please, pay special attention to ideas that lead to a fast change in mood, since they are often linked to dysfunctional core beliefs. For example, you might be watching a video of someone, a scientist, an entrepreneur, or a politician giving a talk met with applause and laughter by the audience. You might think, I'll never be popular like that, or no one thinks I'm funny. 
or that person is so much happier than I am. These are dysfunctional automatic thoughts. Another example is people struggling with negative thoughts about body image and desires for extreme weight loss. You might notice that after going to the gym or reading fashion magazines, you feel more concerned about body size. Analyzing this situation, you realize that automatic thoughts such as, those people are happier than I am, my thighs are too big, and everyone thinks I eat too much, trigger a flood of negative emotions. You also realize that these thoughts are based on the incorrect assumptions, such as, skinny people are much happier. Chapter 9. Trigger Situations Skills What? Look around. The goal of this skill is to ensure that you're always taking note of the world at large, as well as the space within your mind, as if you were a completely impartial observer. Only by taking an objective approach is it possible for rational courses of action to be decided upon. CBT recommends mindfulness meditation, along with more fully acknowledging both emotions and thoughts while, at the same time, not interacting with the negative ones directly. What? Report. After looking around, both internally and externally, write down the specifics without using any emotional statements to color the commentary. Keeping your descriptions as free from emotion as possible will make it far more comfortable for you to look back on the past with an accurate eye, regardless of what's taking place in the present. Taking the time to write down a physical list can also make it easier to do this regularly. The additional required actions will give you something to hang your mental hat on instead of merely typing words onto a screen. What? Remain active. The goal with this skill is to become more invested in the things that are going on around you from moment to moment as a means of keeping negative thoughts out. This doesn't mean that your mind must continuously be on the move as long as what is concerned with is productive and healthy. How? Refrain from judging. When reporting and looking, it is essential to avoid thinking about what's going on especially when using binary constructs such as fair and unfair or right and wrong. Instead, Chapter 10. Feelings and Emotions for Teens The emotional condition of the patient or the physiotherapist has a major influence on the physiotherapeutic care process. The importance of emotions is easily illustrated by the communication between the patient and the physiotherapist. What the physiotherapist tells the patient and the way in which he does this can cause the patient to either worry or to feel reassured. Anxiety in the patient can cause him to misunderstand or withhold information from the physical therapist. An example of the influence that emotions can have is the role played by the mutual relationship and treatment between a physiotherapist and the patient. Emotions influence the entire process and determine whether the patient is open, understanding, willing, and able to do as they are asked. Emotional Intelligence Physical therapists must have enough emotional intelligence to deal with the patient's own emotions. Emotional intelligence includes recognize and express. The physical therapist can recognize and name feelings in himself and in the other person. 
he can express his own feelings. He knows how to respond empathically to the other person's feelings. Regulate. The physical therapist has the ability to regulate his own feelings and knows how to influence the patient's feelings. Utilize. The physical therapist knows how to use the emotional skills functionally within the physiotherapeutic care process. There are five basic emotions, three negative, scared, angry, and sad, and two positive, joy, and affection. These basic emotions can be further nuanced on the basic... Chapter 11. The Values-Focused versus the Goals-Focused Life. The best way to live one's life is to focus on the pursuit of one's values. To find out your values, you can use this exercise that positive psychology guru Martin Seligman published in The American Psychologist in 1988. You start by thinking about what you want to be true of your life. Then, you figure out which values more than any other would have to be true for that thing to happen. Here's an example. If you say... I want my life to be meaningful, then a value that would have to be true for that to happen is helps others. Another way of saying the same thing might be love and caring for others. In other words, if helping others was not part of your life, it would not be meaningful. The values-focused versus goals-focused life. Which is better, a values-focused or a goals-focused life? That's like asking which is better, parachutes or seatbelts. The safety expert who has the right seatbelt may jump out of the plane successfully, but if the safety expert who has jumped out of the plane with no parachute at all and survived, then he can tell you that you want good parachutes. Similarly, one person may live out his values so fully that he feels he has made a difference in this world, but the person who has lived his life with a narrow focus on his goals but finds meaning in the process of achieving them, Will can tell you this. What matters is not how many goals you achieve, it's how you achieve them. Therefore, the best advice I can give to anyone, regardless of age, is to keep your eye on your values and go down that road. You will have enough trouble along the way without adding regrets. Part 3. Plan. Chapter 12. Why should you set goals? Setting goals is a valuable tool in CBT that teaches techniques to make goals achievable. You can work with a therapist to help you create goals for yourself by identifying your problems and discussing how you'd like to go about changing them. Setting goals is a tool to help you increase your power and boost your self-confidence. One exercise is to picture yourself as having the ability to change the world to be as you would like it to be. What would be different? If you could change anything to your liking, what would you start with? What are your goals? You can define goals yourself or work with your therapist to develop a goal or set of goals that you can achieve through therapy. This can be applied to all aspects of your life. Some common plans that are worked on in a therapeutic setting for social anxiety include intimacy, creating and maintaining friendships and other personal relationships, Asserting yourself. Self-confidence. Being comfortable performing tasks and actions in public. Stage fright. 
being open with friends and colleagues, awareness in thinking and acting. Many self-help gurus praise the practice of goal-setting and focusing on what your goals are for the day, week, month, year, and into the future. Break down your goals into short-term, medium-term, and long-term. Think about what you want and need to accomplish regarding your relationships with friends and family, your career or schooling, personal finances, your health and lifestyle, and your development. If you suffer from depression or anxiety, be sure to include goals. Chapter 13. Face Your Fears By facing what you fear, you'll become even better at identifying and questioning negative thoughts and beliefs. Consider the following situation. Katie is slightly afraid of performing piano accompaniment for her students during a one-on-one -on -one lesson. This situation causes her some discomfort, but not such overwhelming anxiety that she cannot face it. As a music instructor, she sometimes accompanies her students by playing the piano. However, she finds herself avoiding it more often or using recorded tapes instead of playing live. Jane, Katie's therapist, suggested that Katie make a point of playing the piano in one of her lessons the following week. Before entering the situation in real life, Jane talked about cognitive techniques Katie could use to help her cope. Katie, I'd like you to imagine the situation. Can you think of any automatic thoughts that you might have and how you might feel? Jane began. Hmm, well, if the student was watching me, I might be thinking that I hope I don't screw up or embarrass myself. Katie scrunched up her forehead as she thought of the situation. Good, Jane said. Now, can you identify any thinking errors with what you just said? Can you think of the best and worst possible outcomes versus what's most likely to happen? Katie thought for a moment. Well, the worst would be that I was shaking so much that I could not play. The best would be that I wasn't anxious at all. Realistically, I would probably feel a bit anxious but get through it. Okay, so how does that match up with the thought that you're going to screw up or embarrass yourself? I guess it doesn't, really. Chapter 14. Subjective Units of Distress Scale SUDS The Subjective Units of Distress Scale SUDS is an easy method of tracking feelings' emotional intensity. It's often used as a self-rating scale and is sometimes referred to as the emotional thermometer. SUDS ratings provide a quantitative measure of emotional states, i.e. distress, anxiety, depression, and provide a useful method of summarizing daily emotional experiences. The SUDS rating is based on a 0 to 10 rating system, where 0 is no distress and 10 is the highest level you've ever experienced. The first step in developing your SUDS is to give your best estimation of how bad the feelings are compared to each other. If you feel nothing at all, put down a zero. If you feel relaxed or contented, put one. If you feel moderate distress, put two here. If you feel a great deal of distress, put three here. If you feel a bit of anxiety or tension, put four here. If you feel excessively anxious or nervous, please 
Place 5 here. Step 1. Use a 0 to 10 scale. 0 equals no distress at all, and 10 equals highest level you've ever experienced to rate your response to each statement below. Step 2. After rating yourself for all of the emotions you are experiencing, add up the numbers. You can modify this self-rating table and use it in the future as well. Step 3. Based on your totals, choose a SUDS rating. 0 equals no distress at all. 1 equals... Chapter 15. Tools to help your teens track their progress. Goals can be short-term, long-term, or somewhere in between. You can take each of your long-term goals, break them down into smaller parts, and take measures to accomplish each one. So, how can you achieve these goals? In the journey of goal realization, you'll find many things that can cause you to detour in the process. The regular ups and downs of everyday living are a few of these things. This is where goal setting comes in. Goal-setting tools can include motivational reading and exploring information that can help you reach your goals. There are specialized resources and tools like worksheets, forms, and short techniques such as breathing exercises to assist you. Utilizing a goal-setting application will help you address issues faster and much more comfortably than doing it alone. 90% of individuals that use goal-setting tools attain their goals. Articles are another goal-setting tool. This is because they concentrate on a particular topic, are short, and can be chosen for each specific goal. Words are a simple and effective goal-setting tool. Words can influence you and alter your thinking and behavior. Always choose your words carefully. Use good stories, not just in speaking, but also thought. Money is a superb goal-setting tool. By using money as a focus for your goal-setting, you are centered on the need for keeping healthy goals. Using money as a goal-setting application shouldn't be identified wrongly as earning money being the primary goal. There's a classic saying that no one on their death... Part 4. Act. Chapter 16. Self-Awareness. Did you know that by merely observing something, you change it? I know that sounds magical, but it's backed up by hard science. In physics, this is called the Heisenberg Principle. By simply observing a phenomenon, you change the result. This also applies to what's going on in your head and in your heart. By simply choosing to become aware, you are already starting the process of changing your behavior, the words that come out of your mouth, and... Most importantly, your emotional, instinctual responses. The best part of all this is that you're not trying to reprogram consciously. You're not trying to step in there and move things around. You're not purposefully rearranging your mental furniture. You're not doing any of that. You're just merely allowing yourself to become aware. You're only choosing to open your eyes to what's going on in your mind, in your heart, and in your logical processes. By observing, you start changing. Observe without judging. 
Try to observe how certain external triggers bring out specific emotional responses in you. Be aware of that connection. Look at what happens outside of you and trace it to your feelings. Keep focusing on this connection. The key here is to observe without judging. You're not saying to yourself, This is bad, I shouldn't be doing that. No. You're just looking with curiosity at how certain things bring about particular feelings or specific mental connections. That is the extent of your job at this point. Just observe. Be your mind's most avid student. By only allowing ourselves to be merely an objective observer. Chapter 17. Manage Emotions. Emotions traverse all aspects of our lives, in both social and professional terms. Emotions also have a way of uniquely influencing how we think and behave, thus ultimately shaping how we relate and socialize with others. Fundamentally, our feelings have crucially been embodied and, at the same time, been subjected to various studies as single concerns. Research has mainly been focused on the cognitive and expressive attributes which form the basis of emotional reactions. However, in the last decade or so, scholars have been able to explain further that our feelings are a result of the influence of nature, and that they are also as a result of interactions with other people, and are often regulated to either influence other parties or to comply with social norms. However, despite an increase in awareness, Studies are yet to make a concrete conclusion about the effects of socializing on how our emotions affect our lives. Furthermore, there's been evidence suggesting that emotions are tightly intertwined with the fabric of our social lives. To further support this phenomenon, research has clearly shown that how we interact socially has a profound effect on our values and practices, social class, and can also, in more ways than one, systematically shape our experiences. Several studies have also unearthed how the trappings of power and other cultural practices have a significant effect on how we eventually come to recognize and interpret how we feel. Still, other studies have even gone ahead to document the manner in which social setting shapes behavioral responses to the emotional expressions of some individuals, for example, those... Chapter 18. Exercise. Manage Emotions. The Developmental Task. The first developmental task for the young child is to become attached to their mother and father. This attachment is a critical part of normal development, but it is not usually discussed by psychologists or psychiatrists because it happens so naturally, without effort on our part. It's as automatic as breathing. We all enter the world attached to our parents. This attachment is critical during infancy because a child who is securely attached to his or her mother and father can better explore his or her environment and begin to move around in it. Children who have established strong attachments and connections with their parents will be less demanding when they explore the environment and begin to actively participate in their surroundings. This exploration of the environment, combined with increasing motor skills, allows children to master their physical world. As they do so, they feel increasingly confident in their ability to control things around them. They start to feel more competent and powerful. With increased competence 
comes more confidence. Children who develop and master their physical environment are also better able to control their emotional experiences. They learn that others' emotional reactions in their world are not always perfect and that people sometimes make mistakes. This is how children begin to develop a healthy skepticism about the world around them. As these young children learn to control things around them, parents usually become less needed. Sometimes, parents even start to get in their children's way. Developmentally, this is the next step in the task of developing independence. If children are to become more autonomous, they need to move away from them and begin to do... Chapter 19. Learn to let go of things you can't control. Learning to let go is a process of acknowledging, accepting, and learning that you can't control everything. When you let go, it means that instead of trying to control things that are out of your control, you focus on changing what you can so that things are more under your control. It means being able to step back from a situation instead of getting all worked up about something. It's about taking an interest in your problems instead of feeling anxious and worried about them. It's a bit like building your own personal comfort zone and relaxing so that you don't get so stressed when things get more challenging. Letting go means learning to accept life as it is, even if it doesn't match what you expected or wanted. Giving up means throwing in the towel and doing nothing at all about something, even though there are things you can't control. Giving up means accepting that you can't change a situation no matter how hard you try, so it's pointless to keep trying. Giving up also means feeling so overwhelmed that you can't see the good things in your life. When you let go, you don't give up on trying to change things, and you keep on doing your best in life, even though there are times when it feels hard and there are things that get in the way. Sometimes this might mean giving up something or someone, but it doesn't have to mean giving up on yourself. It's easier to learn how to let go if we explore what happens if we don't let go first. Think about a simple situation where we usually wouldn't notice if we're struggling with letting go or not. For example, you're sitting on a train, but when you get to an article that makes you anxious or angry, it's difficult to switch off and relax. You start getting worked up about what you just read. Imagining that person's situation in your head. Chapter 20. Developing Social Skills While our society predictably emphasizes intelligence that is more tangible and visible, i.e. good grades, the area that is mostly overlooked and ignored is our ability to conduct ourselves well in social situations. The knack of regulating our emotions in social settings, in addition to being able to understand other people's feelings, is our master key to success. While everyone is working hard on their book smarts, social smarts are also vital and are proven to be more important than the intelligence quotient. Take, for instance, a scenario where you're interviewing two candidates for a leadership role. Joanne is slightly more qualified, skilled, and experienced than Rose. However, Rose can understand people, works as a team player, and can also inspire and motivate a team to accomplish higher targets. Joanne is big on technical skills, but not very useful in understanding and managing people's emotions. Who would you hire as a recruitment manager? Rose. The ability to understand and channel people's emotions in the best way possible is a priceless tool in today's world. 
Social intelligence, SI, is our ability to build relationships and figure out a way through our social environments. Here are some lesser-known secrets that can increase your social-emotional intelligence. Adopt and adapt. Don't fight your instinct to mirror another person's condition all the time. Human beings are wired to mirror the feelings and emotions of those around us. This is empathy. We naturally feel what others are feeling. However, at times we often take the high road and try to fight this feeling of mirroring the other person's emotions. For example, say your spouse is upset and... Chapter 21. Ways to Improve Communication Skills Communication skills refers to the ability to share one's thoughts and feelings with others in a meaningful way. A person may be well-educated and may speak sophisticated words, but if he or she cannot communicate effectively, it becomes of no use. Communication skills are critical to build relationships with other people, and it is also essential for success in personal and professional life. Poor communication skills can result in a lack of understanding between people by which miscommunication or misunderstanding takes place, which leads to unnecessary arguments and fights. Thus, the importance of communication skills cannot be undermined. It is essential to develop good communication skills to lead a happy and successful life. Following are some of the various tips that will help you improve your communication skills and better share your thoughts and feelings with others. 1. Be genuinely interested in others. Sincerely listen to what the person has to say. Don't just pretend that you're listening. Try to keep an open mind when others speak and understand what he or she is saying. When you show genuine interest in a person, then he or she would like to share his or her problems with you which helps in developing a constructive relationship with him or her. 2. Be polite and respectful. Always be polite by showing your respect to others. Do not interrupt when others are speaking. If you feel that the other person is wrong, then do not speak rudely, but try to show your disagreement in a polite manner. Never let your emotions take over when you speak to other people. Don't judge. Chapter 22. Nonverbal Communication Skills What is nonverbal communication? Nonverbal communication skills are that part of message sending where we send information to others without the use of words. Nonverbal communication includes facial expression, eye contact, body language, and tone of voice. People read each other by looking closely at facial expressions and listening to what a person says and how it is said. Tone. Nonverbal communication skills convey feelings, emotions, and attitudes. They can be used intentionally or unconsciously. Nonverbal communication skills are used in situations where speaking is inappropriate or not possible. They include the use of icons, gestures, facial expressions, and body language. Nonverbal communication is also used to convey thoughts and feelings that people want to keep private. Nonverbal communication skills are learned from a young age when children begin to communicate through facial expressions, gestures, and voice tone. Usually, children learn these skills naturally without any effort, 
unless parents show disapproval or make fun of such attempts in early childhood. Some people are born with better nonverbal skills than others, though nonverbal skills can be practiced by those who aren't talented in it naturally. You can use a mirror to practice nonverbal communication. Observe yourself closely as you give and receive various messages. Look for positive and negative nonverbal cues when you speak to others. Notice that people will usually match their body language with the person they're communicating with. Watch children interact with others, because children don't realize that most of what they share is done without words or conscious thought. Chapter 23. How to Teach Teens Better Problem Solving As long as you walk the planet, you cannot run away from the fact that problems will always be there. No one ever has an easy life. But the human spirit possesses tremendous power, and there's no problem we can't overcome. Most people struggling with mental illness are overwhelmed by problems, yet they have no idea how to overcome these problems. For instance, if someone is faced with tremendous responsibilities at work and lacks the capacity to fulfill these responsibilities, it can quickly push them into unhealthy habits and become the genesis of their mental illness. When you develop your problem-solving skills, you equip yourself with power and not only do you stave off mental illness, but also it helps you attract more success to your life. The more you increase your problem-solving skills, the more utility you have at the personal and societal levels. It's no secret that people want to be associated with those that have power. The following are some incredible tips for boosting your problem-solving skills. Active Listening Whenever there's a problem, you'll notice that there are disputing sides, which means there's a disagreement. By improving your active listening skills, you stand a better chance of understanding what the other person is saying, and this promotes cordial relations. On the other hand, when you're not paying attention to what the other person is saying, there are bound to be issues which make the problem even worse. For instance, at your workplace, there might be a problem with your department head, and whether or not this problem gets resolved is up to whether the involved parties are willing to listen to one another and arrive on common ground. Part 5. Techniques and Activities Chapter 24. CBT Techniques Cognitive behavioral therapy uses techniques based on evidence and is designed to alter one's thoughts, feelings, and behaviors to improve a person's overall satisfaction with life. Each CBT technique is informed by the most current research and has repeatedly been among the best forms of interventions for psychological issues that are rampant today. There is no one list of CBT techniques, since methods and strategies are being continuously developed and designed. Still, the following are some of the most common procedures in CBT that are being used today to improve a person's mood and behavior. Cognitive Restructuring This technique is used in CBT to help individuals identify negative thinking patterns that usually cause mood swings and unhealthy behavior. Several techniques can be employed when using cognitive restructuring, one of which is tracking dysfunctional thoughts on a thought record form. 
This is a widespread technique and aims to help the individual devise healthier and psychologically more flexible thinking patterns. One of the practical uses of cognitive restructuring is understanding unhappy moods and feelings. This technique is used to challenge wrong automatic beliefs that lie behind these negative thoughts and emotions and can reframe such unnecessary negative thinking. It may seem normal for human beings to experience bad moods. Still, the reality is that they can reduce the quality of a person's performance and even undermine a person's relationship with other people. Cognitive restructuring helps individuals change... Chapter 25. Exercises. Mood Meter. Sometimes teens get so caught up in their daily routines that they forget to stop and check in with their emotions. To learn to cope with your depression, it's important to understand your moods. Use this mood meter to evaluate your mood changes throughout the day. Note the times you hit each different mood zone. Which mood did you experience the most? Did any moods overlap? If so, which ones? If you experienced moods in the red or blue zones, what did you do to calm down? Trigger Tracker Once you learn to recognize how your emotions and moods shift throughout the day, it helps to figure out your triggers. Triggers are events or things that spark different emotions. If a friend makes a sarcastic comment about you, for example, it might trigger anger or sadness. If you fail a test, it can trigger disappointment or anxiety. Take a look at the moods you identified on the mood meter. Close your eyes and try to visualize when the moods occurred, what was happening, and what might have triggered your mood shift. Use the following questions to guide you and record your thoughts. Keeping track of your triggers will help you recognize patterns. Knowing the patterns will help you plan to cope with common triggers and avoid continued mood changes. Mood Shift What was happening prior to the mood shift? What time of day did the mood shift occur? Who was present when this mood shift occurred? Can you remember a specific action or event that changed your mood? What was happening prior? Chapter 26 CBT Activities for Teens Facing my fears. Here's one last way that CBT can help reduce anxiety and stress by focusing on changing your behaviors. It's a reasonably simple shift that can create healthier thoughts and more positive feelings. Exposure is the CBT term we use for pushing yourself outside your comfort zone to face a stressful situation. The more often you engage in exposure instead of avoidance, the more confidence you will build, and the less stress or anxiety you will feel. A fear hierarchy or fear ladder helps you think through small steps you can take to reach your goal of conquering a fear or stressor. Read the example first, then think of a fearful situation that you've avoided in the past. Fill out your small steps toward reaching your greater goal. Start with the least scary measures at the bottom, working your way up to the more significant steps at the top. Revisiting Mindfulness 
One final form of therapy that is very helpful in stress reduction is dialectical behavior therapy, DBT. DBT uses many CBT theories to teach the skills needed to build what DBT's creator calls a life worth living. Dialectic refers to two opposites that can coexist at the same time. For example, believing, I am proud of myself, and there are some things I'm working to improve. We'll discuss five parts of DBT that are especially helpful for teens managing stress. The first is mindfulness. DBT adds an important element to CBT. Beyond bringing awareness to your present... Chapter 27. Other Types of Cognitive Behavioral Therapy Addressing Dysfunctional Beliefs Using Rational Emotive Behavior Therapy, REBT REBT, otherwise known as Rational Emotive Behavior Therapy, refers to cognitive or behavioral therapy created by the psychologist Albert Ellis. In REBT, attention is usually placed on aiding the client to alter their dysfunctional beliefs. Let's take an in-depth look at the subject. How does REBT work? To gain comprehensive knowledge about REBT, it is imperative first to consider the entire therapeutic process through the following steps. Highlighting the basic patterns behind dysfunctional beliefs and thoughts. 2. Identifying the dysfunctional beliefs, feelings, and thoughts which result in psychological stress is the primary step in the process. In most cases, these dysfunctional beliefs tend to be expressed in absolutes, such as, I can't, I should, or I must. As Ellis hypothesized, the majority of many widely used dysfunctional beliefs include the following. Feelings of overwhelming upset about the misconduct or errors of other people. Perfectionism believes that you have to be 100% successful and competent at everything to feel worthy and valued. The belief that you stand a better chance of being happy by avoiding the challenges or difficulties of life. Feelings pertaining to lack of control over one's happiness and that one's joy and satisfaction are hinged to external elements. The sheer act. This has been CBT Workbook for Teens Essential Coping Skills and Self Help Activities to Overcome Anxiety and Stress, Conquer Negative Thinking, and Successfully Manage Social Anxiety and Shyness. Written by David Lawson, Ph.D. Narrated by Russell Newton. Copyright 2021 by David Lawson, Ph.D. Production Copyright by David Lawson, Ph.D. Conclusion This book's purpose was to inform the reader about CBT for Teens and how it can be used as a tool to help them change their behaviors. CBT allows you to understand your beliefs and how they affect your emotions and behavior. Also, it shows you that there are other healthy ways to react in different situations, which can help you build more self-control over your reactions in everyday life. If you feel particularly distressed about a situation, you can use the worksheet in this book to help you conceptualize your thoughts and feelings about that situation. If you still feel distressed after dealing with a specific situation, another worksheet in this book 
will help you figure out what role that particular stressor is playing in your life. You can use this exercise to learn how to deal with stressors without becoming overwhelmed by them or letting them control your emotions. When considering your thoughts and emotions, it may help you to think about yourself as being separate from those thoughts and emotions. Ask yourself how you would treat a friend who had the same thoughts and feelings as you do now. What would you say to your friend if she was in a situation like yours and depressed? Remember, whether you tackle these challenges intellectually or by writing out your responses, it is important to really own them and come up with concrete strategies for dealing with these issues. You will not be able to move forward until you've done this and have practiced these skills in real-life situations. One of the important points of CBT is to help teenagers understand the difference between thoughts and feelings. Many teenagers believe that their emotions are caused by their thoughts, but this is not true. Your thoughts, although they can influence how you feel, do not determine your feelings. Your Introduction You have a hard time following directions, staying focused on a task, or getting your schoolwork done. Your parents don't understand why you do the things you do. They talk about your bad behavior and tell you that if you don't stop it, your life will be ruined. They don't let you go out with your friends as much as you would like. They say this is because they don't want to be embarrassed by you when people see how poorly you behave. You feel angry most of the time and have no idea why. You get into arguments with other people, including members of your family. Often those arguments end in tears or shouting, but you still aren't any closer to understanding why some people make such a big deal about unimportant things. You feel guilty for hurting those around you and wish things could be different. The problems that seem so big now will not be a problem when you're an adult. What appears to be a catastrophe now will often seem unimportant when you look back on it from your adult life perspective. You may not understand it now, but the things that cause you so much distress are often related to feelings of stress, tension, and frustration. What you can do about it. You can control what happens in your life by learning how to manage yourself and what is going on around you. This book explains this in straightforward terms so that you can learn how to deal with problems that bother or scare you and so you have a better understanding of why things happen in your family. This information will help you feel less overwhelmed by situations that were once confusing, frustrating, or upsetting. What this book will do for you. It will help you understand how different parts of yourself work together to influence how you feel and behave. This understanding will help you deal with difficult people or situations more Please be sure to visit Amazon.com or Audible.com for more information on this book and the author. With an eclectic collection of water cooler knowledge, inspirational stories, and motivational thoughts from some of the newest audiobooks on the market, this has been the Voice Overwork Podcast, brought to you by Newton Media Group, a family of creative services.